I have been sharing with you in the last few weeks a series of messages based on the idea of pouring out. Poured out is called. In the five or six messages that this series include, we saw the different characters stand up this morning as we began the worship service. And Mary, friend of Jesus, who, who was also the sister of um, who? Martha and Lazarus, uh, had gone to the family stash perhaps and taken some money and purchased or took the most expensive essence of nard fragrance. And when Jesus was having a dinner at, his, at her home, she decided to break the jar and anoint the feet of Jesus. And she did that. And people were complaining, but it was a radical thing that she did. And we asked ourselves the question, when was the last time you did something very radical for God? The following week, and this is falling off, the following week, this is for, we end our service with this thing, thing is today. The following week we heard of Peter who, who had actually walked on water with Jesus. How many of you have walked on water? I have. You have. It's frozen, right? But no, not like that. No, real liquid water. <laughs> Peter walked on water and, and suddenly he, he, uh, Jesus is going to wash his feet and Peter says, oh, no, 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 no. You're not going to touch me. You're not going to do that to me. And Jesus tells him, but if I don't wash your feet, Peter, then you have no part with me. Then you're not, you don't belong to me. And Peter replied in my Puerto Rican version, get me all wet. And Peter replied, wet my, not only wash my feet, but my hands and my head. He wanted to belong to Jesus. And we asked ourselves the questions, do you belong to Christ? A week before, we saw a Roman centurion, the executioner of Jesus called Longinus, the man who poured out as much blood as he could out of the prisoners. That was his job. And we saw how he was transformed before our eyes from enemy into our brother. And we asked ourselves the questions, for whom did Christ die? And we covered our cross with our prayer requests. Last week, we heard Mary, the mother of Jesus, coming before and sharing her, and shedding her tears, her tears of sadness, tears of frustration, tears of just a broken heart. Many that week shed tears. But Jesus stopped almost everybody on the way to the cross. He sees a group of people crying. He says, stop, women of the house of David. Don't cry for me, but cry for yourselves. Cry for the condition in which you find yourselves. But Jesus did not only ask us to cry. He went all the way to the cross and died and shed his blood so that you and I not only can cry for the injustices of this world, but we're empowered to change and do something about it. Today I want to share with you very briefly uh, about the mix of darkness. Because actually when, when, when Jesus walked into Jerusalem, uh, he walked into a, a, a den of snakes. Do you think so? 
Back in Mark, before he began his journey to Jerusalem, because he knew that he was going to be given, and he told his disciples, and they didn't believe him. But some of the women, Salome believed him, who was a follower, and Mary believed him, who, who was the sister of Martha, that he was going to die and shed his blood, but he was going to rise on the third day. I think some of the women believed him. The guys went on denial. That typical guy? No, not yet. And in that process, Jesus is there, and he goes into Jerusalem, into the mix of darkness, into a place where darkness was reigning. Actually, the concept of darkness in the scripture is very interesting because from the beginning of Genesis chapter 2, we find the world surrounded in darkness, in void, in chaos. Darkness is a, is a symbol, it's a representation of a negative, of a life without God. Separation from God who is light. So living in that mix of darkness was a separation from God. The days of Noah were described to be days of darkness. The days of Jonah were also described as days of darkness. Days where good things of God were far and few in between. Yet, for some reason, many of us, within, deep within us, we believe that there are better days to come. No matter how dark reality can be, there's always a spark of hope, a dim, dim little light of hope that says, things will become better. Why do we even think that way? When we live in a world of darkness, why do we even have a spark of hope? And I'm not talking about us believers who know the true light of the world. I'm talking about the world out there who still believes in some kind of hope. They're going to have to make it up themselves, and that's what they do. But they still seem to have that idea that better days are yet to come. May I suggest that that idea that better days are yet to come is perhaps one of the thumbprints, one of the left prints that we have in our lives, one of the DNAs from when we were created with God and for God and by God. And there is that little light that's dim way within us in the mix of darkness in which we live. We could say that we experience days of darkness when we lose a loved one, when we lose our independence, when we lose our community that we are used to hang out and live with, and, and, and darkness of loneliness becomes more often. On the final week of Jesus, life, Jesus was thrown into the agonizing mix of darkness. He was thrown into a place that he knew that he was not going to win. Think about it. The minute he walked into that city, he knew that he was not going to win. And what did he do? Well, Scripture tells us that during the week preceding to the crucifixion, Jesus not only walked into Jerusalem and left and went to the villages around it, healing and teaching and preaching. He cleansed the temple. He cursed the fig tree. He teaches the great commandment. And he has a few dinner affairs. Parties with his friends. 
He's invited to some of these parties. Oh, he confronts the Pharisees and he turns over tables and he tells them, this house is a house of prayer for all who come. And yet he knew that he was in the mix of darkness. He also knew that he was being suspicious. He also knew the tension was building up. He had the conversation with his disciple about what he was supposed to be doing in the betrayal. Oh, no doubt he was taken to the cross and he died. But the story does not finish there because he was light while he was in Jerusalem. We ourselves are living, walking, fighting in the mix of darkness. One moment we're enjoying ourselves and our relationship, and the next moment Cobb County police rings their thing and lights behind us. Uh-huh. I hear ya. One day we are having a good time with our family, and then we hear a loved one fail in that German wing flight. And there's a hole in our hearts. One day we're shopping, our regular shopping, and we get the phone call, and we can't answer it because we can't find the phone. But when we call back, we get the news. And yet, there is something within us, May. There is something within us that there are days, there are better days that cries out, there are better days. There are better days. See, Jesus walked with all the praise and adulation of a king. Oh, the idea of, of, of the branches was because that is what was done to a triumphant person. If you were famous, if you were Hollywood, if you were somebody like that, then you come into a city and your entourage with a donkey or, or, or your limos, you know, hey, that was the thing. But he knew he was walking into the mix of darkness. And he did walk into the mix of darkness, you see? In one of the verses that we discussed earlier in our teaching, I stopped and read it twice because he said, And Jesus, knowing who he was, and Jesus, knowing who he was and what he was supposed to do, turned his face to Jerusalem. into the mix of darkness. But why did he do it so confidently? The verse tells us. He knew who he was. And he knew what was his purpose. My question for you this morning, do you know who you are? Do you know who you belong to? Oh, I know you know your name. You probably know your social security by heart. Don't say it. But do you really know who you are? According to the one who fashioned you, who formed you, who gave you his name and called you for a purpose. We ourselves are living, walking, fighting in the mix of darkness in which we find ourselves. Some of us have gone as far to deny the darkness. To the point that we see light in the darkness because we have gotten used to the darkness. Did you get me? Some of us have gone as far as to... Get used to darkness, and even some of us pretend that there is no darkness whatsoever. We find ourselves with brittle bodies, weakened knees, and failing systems. We find ourselves dissatisfied 
with what we have built in life. We find ourselves thirsty for true spirituality and true meaning in life, not commercial. We find ourselves looking for stuff, really looking for love and relationships in all the wrong places. We find ourselves wishing, wishing and wishing for something better, for a new chance, for a new opportunity to scatter the darkness in which we find ourselves. We are looking for that flash of light. In reality, we are seeking the light that belongs to us, that was hidden by shadows and mix of darkness because that light is called Jesus and it's within you. John says, I have come. John says that Jesus says, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in darkness. That doesn't mean that Jesus gives you his light. No. That means that Jesus calls you light. Yes. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Light to bring light into the world, into our families, into our schools, into our businesses, into our homes, into our hospitals, into our rehab centers. Light to be to the homeless, light to the poor, light to the rejected immigrant, light for the abused and the abuser, light for the destroyer and the repairer, light for our darkened souls. Light. But we are in the mix of darkness. And thus I have this Band, black on black, may not look too clearly, but let me show. And this morning, I'm going to ask you to come forward and, and, and get your, as we sing our last song or our response song, get your band. You have a choice. You have choices. Of this kind, you can put it on lapel, or this one, you can put, the guys can wear this one. But it's up to you. You've got two stations. But what for? Well, I'm going to wear this ribbon for the light of the world who died so that I may be light. And if somebody this Holy Week asks me, why are you wearing that black band? I am wearing the black band because I am in grief for the injustices of the world. I am in grief for the way we treat children, for the way we treat parents. I'm in grief for the way we treat one another. I am wearing this ring because God's heart is broken for the darkness that surrounds our mix and mix our community. I am wearing this ribbon because I have been invited to be the light of the world. I am wearing this ribbon to remind myself that though I live in a mix of darkness, I do not belong to the darkness. So I invite you this morning as we sing our, our song, our last song, and, and come forward and take your ribbon so that we can testify to the fact that we are not part of the mix of darkness. We are called to be light. And let's sing together above all. <laughs>